This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Share a little bit about my how I feel about hospitals. For me, are a difficult place. Uh, my um, mother uh, died of cancer when I was 14 years old. Mm. She had been through a series of operations. I think it was up to a half dozen between the time I was eight and 14. Mm. The hospital was a place I went to as a child to visit my mom, who was always in terrific pain or suffering whenever I went there. And so hospital visitations for me are very, very difficult because they, mm. they bring up this I'm, – I'm telling you my narrative. <laughs> I received I'm, it. That's right. I'm doing a little experiment here. And so, um, and, and so hospital visits are very, very difficult for me for that reason. I mean, mm. I, I almost cannot walk into a hospital and not think back to that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question that it raises is, is that um, – uh, what advice would you give to people who are visiting patients in the hospital? I mean, you're a chaplain, so you do this all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but people who are going in and, and they don't quite – they themselves wrestle with – they're like me. You know, they, they wrestle with how to handle the hospital visit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and then I, I know that there are two types of processors generally as people. Some people process by being absolutely quiet. They, you, you almost have to pull anything out of them. So they go and they visit and they just sit. Mm-hmm. And then other people process and they feel like they got to talk all the time. They feel responsible to almost mm-hmm. entertain mm-hmm. the patient and keep mm-hmm. them, which, which may or may not be good for them. So what advice do you give to the people who that's, walk that's in? Good. Okay. I think I want to say two things about that, my top two things that I would say to someone who is experiencing that very normal reaction to walking into this, the house of suffering, right? Mm-hmm. One is – just like you just did, to be aware of what it's bringing up in you. Mm-hmm. Do you have horrible memories mm-hmm. as your skin prickling as you mm-hmm. walk in the door? And just to, to keep in mind that um, while you are going out of love for someone else, that you are having an experience mm-hmm. at the same time going in there. Mm-hmm. And to keep that in mind and to keep it in prayer and, and to be really honest with yourself about I, I might need to take care of myself after I do this mm-hmm. because it's bringing up my worst childhood memory. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one piece. And then my second piece that I would say to someone who is in the room and and there's nowhere to sit except on the porta potty and yeah, it's, yeah. there's all these machines in there and you that's don't right. know what to do with your hands and you're trying to think of what scripture to quote or something and all of these weird pressures come up as you're standing over someone maybe that you love who doesn't look normal and is in trouble in some way is to ask the patient what he wants. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk? Mm -hmm. Would you like me to sit down? How are you sleepy? How are you feeling now? I I came here to see you and I want to respect what is best for you. If you want me to stay, I'll stay as long as I can. Mm-hmm. If you just want to know that I came by, here I am and I'll I'll be happy to respect what's best for you. So there there's something weird that happens when those of us who are so 
it is so precious to us that we are ambassadors for Jesus. Mm-hmm. That when we, we walk into the room of someone who is sick, we kind of forget to be normal. Mm-hmm. And just to make it a visit like you would visit with anyone else, we want to get the gospel in there and we, we want to be encouraging, but it's it can just feel like you're kind of falling downstairs mm-hmm. as you try and love the person. So I, I think the best intervention I know is to ask the patient. <laughs> <laughs> Where they are. What do you need? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm. Well, Joe, from a, I mean, it's been a while since you've been through your operations, et cetera, but you've done a lot of pastoral visitation, and you obviously with the ministry have do a lot of pastoral visitation. What kind of mm-hmm. advice would you give in terms of, uh, in terms of the best way to, to really serve the patient, which is why you visit them to begin with? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I totally agree with Eva. You know, I think our tendency sometimes is to fi- try to fix people um, and try to make it all better and try to encourage them. And we might be scratching where they're not even itching and, and just be totally yeah. in a different realm than they're in. And so just, yeah, just asking them where they're at and uh, asking them, um, you know, I think to be ready to to read the scriptures too, to pick out some scriptures, you know, because I always like that, you know, just hearing the, the scriptures. But ask first if sure. can I can I can I read some scriptures or, um, you know, and what what is this like for you? I mean, you know, just get do ask open ended questions to get them to talk. Um, you know, I, you can say I know this is this is horrible, but how how are you even handling how are you handling this? You know mm-hmm. and. How are you coping? Because that'll bring out what they're what they're trusting in, what their what their plan is, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess resist the temptation to fix them, you know, mm-hmm. and and to think that you're going to come in there and it's going to be totally different. I mean, you, you walk in and and you know do your magic dust and you leave and everything's well, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just presence is huge. Presence is huge. Um, I think a lot of people just flat avoid for the reasons you mentioned, mm-hmm. either bad experience or they don't know what to say, mm-hmm. so they just avoid altogether. Mm-hmm. And some people um, who are very close to other people don't don't show up because mm-hmm. they don't know what to do. And just show up and say, you know, man, I don't even know. Just be honest even. Yes. Go and show up and say, you know, I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. And. Um, what what can I help you? What can I can I pray? For? What is your biggest prayer request right now? Just ask that. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, obviously you can say, I obviously you want to get well, but is there a big prayer request you have? Like, and somebody will say, yeah, you know, I I I, I need these nurses to change. Something needs to give with these nurses or something. You know, yeah. uh, it could be way out of the blue that mm-hmm. I'm one out of the hospital. Yeah, yeah, one, right. The one I had was <laughs> I want to be out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you just never Who know doesn't? what. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> or then be, be struggling with some family member who's not even there, you mm-hmm. know, and not even a part of the – it's just somebody who's giving them a hard time about it, the whole experience somehow. Let me flip the question. What's the worst thing you can do? That may be, that may be oh. a bad. What's the, what, what, what are things not to do that you see people do regularly where you go, oh, man, if you only knew that you're, you're not being mm-hmm. helpful? I, I think any time a, a person goes in with a – really solid plan and is determined to execute it no matter what signs they might get to the contrary <laughs> yeah. that that's that is 
that's poor patient care mm-hmm. because that that puts the visitor, whether it's the chaplain or or not, mm-hmm. that puts that person in the center of the experience. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can be brave enough to let the patient direct what's happening, mm-hmm. then the patient gets what they need. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if the if I'm just determined to whatever, do something good uh-huh. at the wrong time, go down the Roman road or right, something right, right, right. when the, that's not uh, what that person needs, then mm-hmm. that's damaging. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's disrespectful to what's happening in the room mm-hmm. for that patient, for, for um, the person who is, has the power of wellness mm-hmm. to um, exact a plan on the person who has experienced the illness. It's out of balance. Mm-hmm. I'd also say saying I can really relate to what you're going through when you've never yeah. had that experience. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a terrible you know, thing. Yeah, you should have said it. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. I've even had I'll trade you for an experience to be named later. I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I once had an experience with a female patient mm-hmm. and she was in, really hurting, you know, and she was describing something a procedure she had, but it was female related and I had a lot of Really painful things, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to say I've 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 been there. I've had a lot of a lot of pain, she, and she was, I could tell I really offended her because she was saying, "You haven't had what I just had," you know, because it was a female related mm-hmm. procedure she had, mm-hmm. I, and so, um, you know, even though I had horrible pains and horrible things they were doing to me, and you know, uh, so. I think it's it's wise not to say, oh, I can really relate to the, what you're experiencing, mm-hmm. you know. And some people don't understand staging, you know. I want another to talk thing about what that is. Okay, staging, state like some people say, oh, I've had melanoma, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but they only had stage one, mm-hmm. which is a skin lesion they had removed, mm-hmm. you know. So that can be offensive when somebody says that to you, and you're at stage four, yeah. you know, where you're about to die, yeah. And somebody saying, I had melanoma, you know, we're we're buddies, you know. Yeah. It's like, really, you know, and so that's that's not a good one. Um, there's another thing. I'll, I'll come back to it. You got anything to add? I can't remember uh, what I was going to well, say. Well, I I think just uh, connected to what you're saying, Joe. It, talking it. Anytime we put the focus on ourselves mm-hmm. as the visitor who's in there, and it 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 mm-hmm. might be that like mm-hmm. well, my uncle had what you have, or yeah. you know, well, you're yeah. you're trying to build a bridge, but it it. It creates this real awkwardness and kind of disrespect for hmm. the person who's in the bed. The That's person interesting because you would think the that, that the person who's offering that is doing so really out of a desire. They're really groping, groping yeah. for a connection, yeah. and and they they uh, and they fumble mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I had people tell me, yeah, I had my I know somebody who had melanoma. They died like last year. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, don't do that either. That's yeah. Oh. Well, let's talk let's talk about cuz this is this is actually one of the reasons for for doing the podcast. Let's talk about what advice you would give either to pastoral staffs mm. or to people in churches to make going to the hospital doable, okay? Because a lot of people it is intimidating. They mm-hmm. don't want to go. They don't know how to do it, or they say, "Well, the pastor's supposed to do that," or the hospital has chaplains to do that, mm-hmm. and they don't realize that that uh, one of the real acts of grace that they can perform for someone is as a friend to go be there and say, "I'm with you," you know, "I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for you." Um, so, 
so how how can how, let, let's talk let's talk about the church side first. How can churches help people to get there? I, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon, for example, on patient care. Hmm. For all the pastoral visits, the pastor, mm. I, I'm gonna, you know, pray for so and so and so and so, and we visited her in the hospital. I hear that all the time, but I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon in 30 plus years of being in the church mm. um, that actually talked to people in the pews about how they can minister to people who are hurting in their own in their own homes, or even a even a Sunday school class. I, I mean, I, I know I know that when I tell people when I told people, oh, we're going to do a podcast. What are you going to do it on? Patient care. It, it was like what? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was like this. This. Why would you do that? Well, mm-hmm. you do it because people do get sick. They mm-hmm. go to the hospital. They need to be ministered to. Mm-hmm. And and why should we leave the ministering only to the people who they're maybe meeting for the first time because they happen to be at a hospital? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what advice would you give to uh, to people who are who to encourage them to to get out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. if you will? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So, I'm gonna do the intimidating thing of talking about the Gospels with Daryl Bach. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think something that gives me courage when I falter in my role at my hospital is that Jesus has said, when you visit the sick, you are visiting me. And that is a great framework to have in mind if, as a believer, walking into a place, especially if you don't have the benefit of relationship with the person who you are going to visit, mm-hmm. is that you, you, are, you are doing this for the Lord mm-hmm. in a way that He framed it up mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is – there's so many interesting things that uh, pass through my mind when I look at my patient as, as my Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I see them die, mm-hmm. it reminds me that he did that too. Mm. But back to your question, yeah. um, uh, I think a really practical thing for church ministers, professional or lay, who are going to visit someone is to go in pairs. Mm-hmm. Because then you can lean on each other, mm-hmm. and if and if one of you freaks out and can't think of anything to say or ask, mm-hmm. then maybe the other person can carry it along for a little while. And it, and then you have this lovely little community mm-hmm. representing the, the church where probably the patient worships. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, you might just end up having a, a little church service right there in the room. And it, it does take a lot of pressure off because some of the disorientation that happens, right, when a person who's not used to going into the hospital is that just getting to the room yes. is a stressful experience. You got to figure out where you can park that yeah. you're not going to get towed. <laughs> yeah. And how much was that going to cost me just that I have to leave my car here? Uh-huh. And you go into a place where you can't orient yourself to the outside there's mm-hmm. no windows the passageways are long and daunting and everyone who's in there is under stress anyway mm-hmm. so i think people who are perceptive to that kind of stress in their environment can feel it right away when mm-hmm. they walk into a hospital that mm-hmm. this is an intense place mm-hmm. and so just having somebody there to do it together is, is helpful This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, 
A Bounty Hunter's Journey to Faith, Hope, and Redemption, written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. Now, you've already made an assumption, which I'm trying not to make, which is, and, and that is, okay, I've made the decision I'm going. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> you know, um, so so I, I guess part of my part of what I was intending in my question, maybe I should challenge Joe with this since okay. he's been a pastor and is engaged in this ministry at the same time, so he kind of understands the bridge. Is how do you encourage people to be willing? I mean, you did you did with the uh, Jesus example push yeah. in that direction, but how do you? Uh, and and what about the fact that we never talk about this from the pulpit? Mm. Well, I mean, it's a great question, and um, I think you know that when you started asking the question, that, that uh, Matthew twenty-eight thirty-six popped into my mind. I was thinking mm-hmm. you visited me, mm-hmm. and uh, but it just shows you that Jesus knew we were going to undervalue visiting mm-hmm. the sick. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he said. You know, when you do it, you're visiting me. So he's like trying to elevate it in our minds as a good thing to do and a a powerful thing to do. And um, so I think part of it is just um, preaching the word as it's written. And to focus on the things that he's focusing on, and um, but to to ask the um, to have more people doing it, the staff because a lot of times, and this is this is really true. This a lot of times when people are sick, the higher up the person is in the church, the more I mean, they want the higher ups. Right, right. They really do. If you yeah. if you just send somebody who's in the Sunday school, they <laughs> the will kindergarten they pastor. might tend not to like <laughs> that, right? So they want they want to see the staff, you know. Uh-huh. And um, but they could see staff and other people too. So if the staff has that vision to, um, and it wouldn't take much to get uh, to organize people to go and visit these the people and uh, to have the uh, the life groups, the community groups, you know, really taken on to make sure they're visiting and you know make that part of training on how to care for one another. It's just one anothering, you know. Um, but I think. Uh, it should be in the and, and Eva will come and talk to your group, you know, your your Sunday school or whatever. I will too, mm-hmm. and uh, to to really, you know, it, it's a, it's a big thing to Jesus, and uh, and it's 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 really ripe fruit. People really either a are open to the gospel for the first time, or they're really open to the ministry. You know, when you come and you you're sharing the word and you're praying. I mean, it's just it's so rewarding. A lot of people say to me, "How do you how do you do that?" Seeing those sick people. I mean, I walk away. It is so rewarding mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. to to minister to somebody. I mean, I feel fed like Jesus did. You know, when talking to the Samaritan woman, I got food you know nothing of. I mean, I feel that when I walk away. Um, it builds me up. So, doing this is a lot easier than pastoring was for me. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you that. Yeah, yeah. way yeah. easier. You yeah, know? interesting. You know, there at our church, what we've done is elders will visit, our staff will visit. We even have deacon and deacon teams that are set up to visit, and so that that um, so that people are seeing some of the same people they would have seen if they were going to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They feel connected to more than just the pastor. They feel connected to the body, and so that ends up 
being very very helpful in, in thinking through uh, how to encourage people and then and then I I do find that once people begin to do it and they say I can do this mm-hmm. this is possible uh, that can work and since you cited the gospels to me oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> raise a, another angle on things that, to talk about and reflect on you know uh, we sometimes wrestle with there's so much of the gospels where you see Jesus ministering to the sick. And what, and of course, what we're drawn to when we read those stories is the fact there's a there's a, a miracle or a healing taking place. And so some people say, "Well, I can't go and heal someone, so what's mm. the point?" Mm. You know. But really, part of the point of the way Jesus was ministering is he was ministering compassion to people. He was ministering care. He was showing that what he was preaching was also reflected by what he was doing in ministering to people and in in reaching out and in helping them in the way that he could. And so um, this is to take the, your picture of, you know, when I minister to someone, it's it's like ministering to the Lord. The other half of it is, is this also ministering like the Lord, you know, that you are you are offering your care and compassion, your giving of yourself to someone who's in a situation of need, and you're modeling some of the very values that your church talks about from week to week. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I find that the real challenge of faith sometimes is in the more mundane things of life and whether our faith and, and, and what we do in church ever enters those areas. So we end up talking about, you know, how do you view your work from nine to five? That's a pretty mundane area for a lot of people. They detach what they do from nine to five to what they're doing in church. Or if they bring it, they bring it as kind of a backpack that they have that they throw on and they draw out of every now and then rather than thinking about how that actually works. And I think this is another area where the same kind of thing applies. You know, people go into the hospital and then it's like like, okay, well, we'll give that to the professionals to mm-hmm. do. Um, they know how to do it. They do it on a regular basis. They're used to it, you know, whatever whatever the myriad of reasons might be. And really, uh, part of our hope is in, in doing this is to encourage people that that no, don't, don't just leave it to the professionals. Sometimes the most meaningful visits for a person are the people who do come and show they care by their presence. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the ones I always like is when you walk in and they go, well, I never expected you to come visit me. <laughs> you know, I don't know quite how to take that when I walk in the door, but anyway, you know. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. there, there's, something, there's something real about, the, about that surprise mm-hmm. uh, that tells you people, we, we've almost uh, conditioned ourselves not to expect very much in this area. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, so let's let's talk about um, how people get in contact with your ministry. Okay, uh, mystronghold.org mm-hmm. is our uh, website, and uh, we're Stronghold Ministry. It's singular. There's a plural one. It's they're weightlifters. <laughs> so, um, so if you see barbells, you know you hit the wrong side. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's right. And and the women are way bigger than me. Okay. All right. Okay. So they, you won't confuse. Okay. You know. You'll know if you hit that site. Um, yeah. It's and you send us an email with your uh, patient's name and address, and we'll send them books. I think books are huge for us because books can go, like even when you visit somebody, if you give them a book mm-hmm. of some sort, it. It stays with them, mm-hmm. and they can pick it up, you know, or somebody could read it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a long-lasting ministry. So churches can do this too: is to to get books that they can give to patients and people who are sick, you know. And we we really encourage that, and uh, seen that really work well um, for myself. You know, when I was in the hospital, you know, mm-hmm. I had 
I had uh, streams in the desert right by my side, you know, all the time, just to get me through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but you know, Jesus Calling, there's some great books out there, you know, that you could get somebody and give it to them and, and really tap time into the Lord. And uh, by the way, the Stevens ministry is really good with training too, Stephen ministers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, a lot of churches have that. Yes. That's a great ministry. Yes. They'll train That's people. That's actually on... the program that our church mm-hmm. developed its Excellent. stuff mm-hmm. from. Yes. Yeah, they do some really good work and train you on how to go visit somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's they're real good. Mm-hmm. So, and Eva, what you're you're a chaplain, but it, it, let me ask you this question: If someone's interested in the chaplaincy, how do they how do they think about going there? That's a good question because I didn't think about it before I ended up there. I I kind of um, you fell into the chaplaincy. Fell. <laughs> I felt like I was falling, <laughs> um, but I I think people who are um, discovering maybe they are in a a traditional pastorate and they are not happy while they're sitting in their study preparing a sermon, but they can't wait to get out and and shepherd their people. That mm-hmm. that might be the, a kind of calling to chaplaincy. But uh, honestly, I I think that any any person who is gifted pastorally can benefit from. A little exposure to chaplaincy because it forces you to face your fears. Mm-hmm. It forces you to face your fears, and then you can feel freer and more confident in your ministry following. Now, did you get? I'm just going to ask this, this off completely off the cuff. Did, did you get any formal chaplaincy training? Yes, or, yes. And how did you go about doing that? Well, um, I graduated from DTS in 2008, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find a job. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, um, I was trying to raise support for a different kind of ministry when Lehman Brothers failed that same season that you were getting yours going. Mine didn't go as well as Joe's. So um, I found chaplaincy on the internet. Hmm. So my my growing up experiences were in such rural parts of the country that I had never heard of a professional chaplain before. Hmm. I wasn't aware that there was even pastoral care provided by hospitals to me. There's priests and pastors that visit people from their churches. Yeah, right. So after, as I was in this seeking phase and hoping to use my education somehow or another, um, I found a website listing a, a job for Baylor University Medical Center in oncology, and it told me that the requirement was four units of clinical pastoral education, and Mm. I had never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. But I did do a residency in pastoral care at at Baylor, a one-year residency, and I've remained there. Mm. So so that is an experience that I wish that every seminarian could have, Mm. because any of us who pass through this institution Mm -hmm. and, and come out on the other side with the DTS stamp, we will have opportunities to do patient care. Mm-hmm. It will it will come to our doorstep. It's true of any seminary, probably in any seminary. Cer- certainly, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. So I I lift that up because it was such a surprise to me mm-hmm. to discover myself in a in a place where um, I was the helper and the the minister in incredibly complicated. And heartbreaking situations, and then to discover that I could do it, mm-hmm. um, I I have I didn't see it coming, and yet that is where the Lord very gently walked me 
by the hand. And and so I, I think really I wish everyone, every believer could have a, a chance to um, test themselves mm. in that kind of setting because once once we have seen that God never abandons us when we the minister mm-hmm. we are terrified of mm-hmm. what we're seeing and mm-hmm. we our eyes are filled up with images that are terrifying mm-hmm. but then we experience God's faithfulness under that kind of stress and mm-hmm. and seeing that kind of sadness it it creates a, a such a powerful dependence on him that it casts out fear mm. Now, I, if I'm doing the math right, so you've been doing this four or five years? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all at Baylor? All at Baylor. Okay. It's my only hospital. Very good. Wow. Well, um, and, and Joe, uh, as you uh, as you think about what it is that we've talked about, is there uh, anything that we, we haven't raised or mentioned that you think we we should in relationship to patient care. Yeah, there's one, one more thing. I, I get this question a lot, mm-hmm. and um, maybe you have too, Eva, but it's um, how do you trans- transition from talking to somebody about them getting well to bringing up the gospel? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes you want to make sure someone knows the Lord before they go if they're going to go. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I just say this, um, because you know sometimes – Sometimes a person's need is not always their felt need and the, what they're talking about right then. Mm-hmm. But we know what their what their real need and their ultimate need is, is to have Jesus in their life. And so what I like to say is, um, I like to say, um, you know, I, I hope that the Lord heals that prayer that we just prayed for you uh, for healing and that you're around for 20, 30 more years, whatever, you know. Um, but, you know, ultimately we all have to die and we're all going to stand before God. So when when that happens to you, and I, like I said, I hope it's in twenty years, thirty years. But when it happens, will you be ready? What are you going to tell God when you stand before Him? Why should He let you into heaven? And that's that's my transition into that. And I get that question a lot, so I thought I'd just throw that out yeah. as a as a good way. It's worked for me with people to transition into talking about because you don't want to just say, "Hey, you know, you might die," so I need to. Tell you about something, you know. <laughs> yeah. You want to say, "Yeah, I want you to live," but you know, we're all going to die eventually. So, and you're actually getting them to think through what that moment could be like, and uh, and and raise it. You know, that raises it does raise an interesting question because I sometimes uh, take that question and play with it a little bit in the sense of. Um, on the one hand, the gospel is about being able to spend eternity with God, and we think about that's something that's out there. But the other half of the equation is is that having God with us now is also important. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have him with us now, even in the midst of what we're going through, can be important. And so um, uh, sometimes I think we, we in thinking about the future of what the gospel is and, and where the what the gospel might prevent us from experiencing, if you want to think of it that way, we forget also what the gospel does bring to us, and mm-hmm. it brings us an ability, um, an ability to to go through <laughs> the shadow of death uh, in a way that would be hard to do uh, otherwise. Um, so um, that's a that's a helpful thought. Well, I really do appreciate 
um, you all coming in and taking the time to talk to us about patient care. Hopefully we've been caring in how we've gone about <laughs> discussing it, uh, and you've been patient with me in, in, in dealing with the topic, uh, in dealing with my own anxieties about the topic. Uh, but. Uh, I hope that what people have heard is the value of good patient care, uh, that you can do it, that it's something that that is capable of being done, and that when it's done with sensitivity, it can really meet a deep personal need and help lift a person up who's in a very difficult position by giving the sense of you are there to, to grab them by the hand and walk with them through whatever it is God is taking them through. So thank you all very much. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?